Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the first episode of Bar Chords, a podcast by Guitar Nerds. I am your host, Joe Branton. Um, that's right, this is a new podcast with just me. Think of it as a supplementary um, podcast to your uh, weekly guitar nerds listening, but without uh, the rest of those uh, those nerds, without Mark, Matt, and uh, that, that, uh, Jay, the other one, yes. Uh, you get just me, which means you get a packed half hour full of guitar talk in actuality. Now, um, as we're going to be doing with some of these series the first half of this podcast, as in the first uh, couple of episodes of this series, are going to be available for free. So you can listen listen to them as you are now on whatever your normal podcast provider is. But the uh, latter half of this series will be available on our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash guitarnets, where you can support guitarnets for as little as $1 a month. Although I think this is going to be available on the $5 tier and up. So what can you expect from bar chords? Well, uh, you know, if you're if you're on your commute, then then that's fine. If uh, if you're sitting at home, then pour yourself a tall glass of gin, and uh, and you know we're going to embark on a journey of uh, you know, well guitars mostly. Um, that that's that is kind of the idea. So um, we're going to be talking about what I've been looking at in the guitar world because I spend. All my time these days researching guitar stuff or looking at guitar stuff or reading articles or accidentally getting obsessed with a particular guitar and then buying several of them only to realize that I'm not really that into them and having to have the effort of selling them again. And I only get to talk about that for, you know, if like 25 minutes, I guess, if it was an even split on the actual guitar nerds podcast between the four of us so here i'm going to be able to talk about it a little bit more each week so this week um this week i was uh, i was doing some research because i was uh trying to put together a new video for youtube on the history of the les paul um which i thought was really interesting now listeners if you're if you're familiar with the origins of the original Guitar Nerds podcast, we started off life as the GAK Guitar Shop podcast when the four of us all worked um, in a guitar shop. And I, um, I was actually, I was very much the, uh, the, the fourth wheel of, uh, of the, uh, of the four guys. They'd, uh, 
they'd known each other a lot longer than I had. I was relatively new. I essentially um, was was brought on. Really, I have no idea why. I think they accidentally asked me because, uh, of course, at the time, Matt Knight was my boss. Um, Jay was the uh, the sort of the assistant manager, but you know, it was uh, um, it was very uh, <laughs> how do you say jobs worth without meaning it meanly. Jay was very dedicated to his his job role. So, uh, and of course, uh, listener, as you'll know, I'm uh, an especially lazy. Um, functioning alcoholic, so I, you know, I don't think I was anyone's favourite person at this point in time. I have no idea why Mark uh, asked me to to join. I guess he felt he needed a fourth person and wanted someone who was there for um, base-related queries, which was, of course, um, what I was brought onto the podcast for. And at that point in time, my knowledge was really was almost exclusively bass guitar related because I'd never been a guitar player um I I was a bass player from the get-go um so everything I was into everything I knew and loved was very much the bass world the guitar stuff was was very very foreign to me especially at that point in time and it's it's only over the last sort of six-ish years of doing this podcast and being constantly surrounded by those fellas and obviously working in um, working for a guitar shop, that it's increased my knowledge. But it means that there are weird holes in my in my knowledge. I might be able to tell you everything about sort of the history of Gaiatone, but I, for example, had no idea um, about the uh, the the details of the history of Les Paul. So it was really interesting for me to kind of research into that and um, and to learn about it all for I for example I had no idea I don't know if you knew this listener you know let me know on the Facebook group if you do facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash guitar nerds forum um or if you're a Patreon member you know feel free to message on the on the Patreon Patreon group but I had no idea that the original the the 52 Les Paul um had its trapeze bridge put on the the wrong way round uh, for it's it's the first incarnation of of the model. Did you know that that the bridge was um so the strings went underneath the bridge piece, not over it, which of course made it impossible to to palm mute, which is really interesting. Um, and that was if you know if if you believe what Les Paul says, and there is there is a lot of discrepancy between. Um, Gibson themselves, what what they say happened, well, employees who were there at the time, well, how they say it worked and how Les Paul says it worked in, in terms of who had influence over um, over the, the design. Les Paul says he signed off everything and then, you know, when he saw the bridge, he told them, you know, that, no, that that's wrong, whereas they say that he, he didn't have that much to do with it. But, of course, you know, they did, in fact get the bridge very wrong and Les says that he told them at the design stage that that bridge was really useless and of course you know if, if I think it looks awesome it looks really gorgeous but yeah not being able to palm you I mean I don't know how much um you know <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. What, what genres required palm mute I guess country requires a sort of palm muty thing going on back then you certainly couldn't get away with any post hardcore um on on an original 52 Les Paul. But of course the fix, the fix for this, which I thought was the most interesting, it wasn't just, 
they didn't just go, okay, let's pop a different bridge on it. They had to change the angle of the neck where it joins the body because um, because of the nature of the bridge, which is, which is madness. That's like a complete, that's such a big thing. You've got to think back in 1952. I know this was super early doors. These were the first electric guitars. And I guess, I guess quality control wasn't, you know, then what it is today. I mean, I don't know if Gibson quality control has, has ever been that great, but um, I just thought it was really interesting that this this instrument made it out into the world in production in a state where it really couldn't be played especially well. So it's interesting that they had to, they obviously didn't recall them because they weren't making very many of them, but they, uh, before 1952 was over, they were already changing the, the bridge round. And of course, even then, they still had they still had issues. There were still problems with um, with the bridge, with in as far as intonation is concerned. You think it's interesting that those are the things that have sort of stuck. You know, I think people have such a problem with the headstock angle of a of a Gibson, or you know, the the way that the the strings fan out on that headstock in terms of like, uh, you know, scientifically, this isn't good for. Um, for tuning stability or intonation. I always thought that was funny because I've always had a... I think I've very much always been of the mind, you know, that's... I, I love the expression, close enough for rock and roll. I think that's a great expression. And um, I've always thought that about music. And I'm very, very against, and I'll try not to, you know, go too much into Branton, Ranton style uh, podcast territory. But I've always been very much against this clinical approach to guitars, the sort of, um, you know, the Ibanez. Strandberg, for me, are the ultimate most awful guitar company. Like, not not that they're, I mean, they're fantastic guitars. It's just, I hate that it's such a scientific approach to the instrument. I think it takes all the fun out of it. And all of those sorts of players, all those tappy kind of players people like Pliny it's like you're not trying to make guitar music you're trying to make your guitar sound robotic you're trying to make it sound midi you're trying to make it sound like a robot's playing this and not a person I just you know I love the out of tune bits I love the wrong notes you know it was always rock and roll is built on playing the wrong notes at the wrong time I think that's I think that's what makes guitars cool is that they're so imprecise and I think uh yeah, I I like that Gibson have kept some of those things, but don't you think it's weird? You know that they they didn't change the headstock, but they did change the the bridge in this obviously this this early the early steps towards trying to create something that intonated properly and that that played properly. I thought that was uh, that was kind of cool. But yeah, you know, I was I was, uh, I was researching into the Les Paul, and of course, I was aware of how it moved from you know nineteen fifty two. Um, with the initial P90s onto kind of the 53, 54, um, where we saw the introduction of the... Um, uh, what did we see the introduction of? There were two new models in 54, weren't there? It was the Junior and the Custom, um, which was really cool. Because i tell you another thing that passed me by that I wasn't aware of was the... Um, What's his name? Thingy Lover. Um, I can't remember. Seth Lover. Seth Lover? I'm going to go with that. I'm going to say that. Um, his 
single coil that he had designed in the neck. I never realised. I didn't realise that was a that was a single coil. I never realised there'd been an oversized single coil pickup put on a Les Paul. And I thought that was really interesting, like a high output single coil before um, the invention of the uh, the humbucker. Um, but I thought that was a you know that was a that was a weird thing to go on the on the custom and i was like man why did they ever change that it looks awesome if you see those those single coils on the neck with the sort of the like little square block pole pieces i thought um i thought that was really cool i thought that was much better than you know than humbuckers but you know, that's, that's fine that's fine but yeah I, I found it really interesting all in all to research the the les paul now i put it out in like a youtube video of sort of the history of the les paul in five minutes and obviously I wasn't able to cover everything in the detail that I wanted to. Do you know? <laughs> also, really annoyingly, I realised um, three days before I put the history of the uh, Les Paul in five minutes out, this other great YouTube channel called Five Watt World had done the history of the Les Paul. But they do, I think their video was 40 minutes long, or maybe it was 20 minutes. So it was long. It was blooming long. Anyway, way too long for me to want to sort of, you know, film and edit something uh, together. But I was like, oh. <laughs> well, I really hope that my facts are the same as theirs. But, you know, uh, I mean, what did I do? I bought an ebook, <laughs> you know, and, and read about the history of the, the Les Paul. That was a, that, you know, that was my research. I think Five Watt World seemed like a, some cool dudes who have been involved in music for a long, long time and probably have some great old um, stories. <laughs> So, yes, this is the section of Bar Chords. I think Bar Chords is a good name. It was, it was like Bar Room, Bar Talk. I, I didn't like any of those. It all sounded a bit rubbish. I was going to call this Gear Acquisition Syndrome, but I want to save that name for something else. Gear Acquisition Syndrome, a podcast by Guitar Nerds. I kind of wanted to save that for something that I was going to do with um, with Mark, but, you know, I've got I've to get Mark. Um <laughs> to do a you know a, something else extra with me in order to do that but anyway this is the section of um of bar chords where we're going to talk about guitars that i want to buy because listener if you're familiar with the guitar nerds podcast then you will know that i am absolutely completely obsessed with um buying new gear i'm sitting here in my office i uh i, I, I have i have a really uh, nice office. So you know, listen. If, you know, if you're familiar, I assume everyone listening to this listens to the Guitar Nerds podcast. If you are new and this is your first thing out, well, I think this is already much more informative than the actual Guitar Nerds podcast. So, uh, so welcome, welcome to Bar Chords with me, Joe Branton. But anyway, um, as you will know, listener, I recently moved out out of Brighton, UK. Um, I'm still in the UK, obviously, but I moved out of the town of Brighton, which is where the four guitar nerds met. And I moved to a, a little village called Angmering um, that's just a sort of 30 minute train ride out of Brighton. So it's not too much trouble for me to get back in and hang out with my mates. I mean, it's actually surprisingly expensive to get the train to do that. And uh, because I spent all my time in my youth buying guitars and uh, doing other substances I, I never actually learned to drive so i am unfortunately trained bound. i really should learn to drive i turned 35 last week um i don't think we spoke about that on the main podcast but yes i turned 35 last week and um 
you know, I'm I'm very lucky to have a an incredibly cool and wonderful girlfriend who drives me around. But um, I really should learn to drive. Anyway, my point of this was I moved out to um, to the Angering Village and and I was able to rent because. <laughs> Of course, my generation only rent. We don't. We we can't buy anything. Buying is not um, a thing that will ever be available to us in the south of the country, especially if you're, you know, yeah, you know, not not from a moneyed family. But anyway, uh, so we were able to get this three bedroom house, which um, uh, Emma works from home. Emma, my my girlfriend, works from home as well. She has a big important job that makes lots of money. Hence why I'm able to do this. Um, but yeah, so we were able to get an, an office each, an office each, which was rather, rather nice, sort of across the hallway from e- each other. Um, and uh, which is actually, actually great because it, it means that I actually focus on work all day because I can't just, I can't just come out and dick around because she'll be like, what are you doing? Why, why aren't you working your space? She doesn't talk like, like that, but you know, you know, you get the idea. Anyway, so I'm in my office and I'm surrounded by... I guess I'm kind. I have I have a I have a big rack of guitars, a cupboard full of guitars, and then a few, a few A frames out with instruments on them, all basses and guitars. And I feel like I've sold a lot. Maybe since I've started doing this full time, which means I make absolutely sod all money. Um, I've had to sell a lot of guitars in order to keep up with um, you know payments for for band tours and recording and birthdays and things like that but um but let's see so so surrounding me right now i have an uh i have a fender american original stratocaster in candy apple red which is a thoroughly fantastic instrument now this guitar comes in a gorgeous like black uh leather hard case with a lovely sort of plush red interior and it comes with the little bridge cover um on the strap which i think is great i don't i don't ever use um, whammy bars anyway you know being a, a bass player first means that it was something that was just never I never learnt it as a as an idea so as a as a functional thing to do so I certainly can't apply it to my guitar playing um, but yes so I got this American original Strat and my goodness with the bridge cover on it I'm, I tell you what I'm a sucker for those Fender bridge covers anyway um, that a, a real sucker for them i blooming love them i put them on my jazz bass i put them on my precision bass i was on a tour once with my jazz bass with those covers on but you'd be surprised how they seem they seem to make everything feed back a bit more i don't know if that's a if that's just imagined by me or or not but i I really struggled with them i mean fine if you're playing blues or jazz or something but when i was trying to stick you know uh, a ton of drive through them um you know through a, a great big sort of stack of you know, two two fifteen cabs. It was a bit. It was a bit much. But anyway, I really love the look of them. And oh, a strap with the little chrome cover on the bridge looks fantastic. Problem is, I actually palm you an, an awful lot uh, when I play, and and of course it it takes away the ability to do that. So it's something that I had to get used to the fact of taking off. But the American original series as a whole, I think, is absolutely fantastic. I th- Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I think if you're thinking about getting a cool old Fender at the moment, then the American original series is a wonderful option. Because, okay, so as you'll know from the main podcast, I recently bought a pair of old Music Masters. I bought a Squire Vista series Music Master and I bought a Fender um, music 1977 Music Master, both basses. Of course, recently I've bought a 1969 Precision Bass and I've had trouble with all of them trying to use them in a live setting. And and the thing is, I do love, I love the sound of um, the 77 Music Master, just like a, I think the 69P bass I have is the best sounding thing I've ever heard. But they're really unreliable, really unreliable. And that seems to be the, the thing with old gear. I think if you just sit at home and play in your bedroom or maybe you play a few blues nights, then then call, then get one because they sound amazing. If playability is something that concerns you, do not get one because they, they're not a patch on the new Fenders. And, uh, and that's what kind of leads me to the American Original Series. Being someone who's, who's owned kind of both ends of the spectrum and considering what I think of the Fender Custom Shop, I actually really like relics, okay? There are a lot of people out there that don't like relics, but here's the thing. If you if you think about getting a custom shop, you don't have to get it relics. You could get, I actually think classic, classic, or NOS, new old stock, or whatever it is. The, the slight lacquer checking is lovely. I'd never want it to be relics, but a, a little bit of lacquer checking is very nice. And um, yeah, I think I think the the custom shop is wonderful. The problem, I think the custom shop has is the American original series is really, really good. And of course, you're getting a nitro finish. They're, you know, they're the only fenders that aren't custom shop that are finished in nitro. And I've got a real problem with Polly. I think it's because I like playing shows with guitars and I like throwing them around. And when you dink a Polly guitar, sort of a chunk comes out of it or it cracks and it just, it doesn't look very good. It's, you know, it it looks rubbish. Whereas if you know, you if if you if you play a nitro guitar regularly, then 
then you get wear around the places that you play most. And I'm like, man, that's so cool. That's so cool when a guitar kind of becomes part of you so much that it's starting to pick up wear in places where, where you play. I think that's wicked. But yeah, so the American Original is the only series where you can get a Nitro finish. And I think um, I think that's really cool. I think it's a real shame that Fender don't offer it elsewhere. I understand from an environmental standpoint, I shouldn't be um, supporting Nitro uh, guitars and I guess that is something that um, I'm sure we'll move away from completely over the next few years I just wish I wish then because poly and nitro can't be the only type of paints in the world there must be another there must be another method of painting that isn't toxic but that doesn't mean you're putting a plastic wrap on your guitar like you are with a poly finished guitar um, that would be that would be great but but yeah American original is really, really good. The tellies were, were fantastic that, you know, that I played. They do a really good jazz master in the range. And I think the Strat is great. Uh, I went through a stage of being a, a, a Strat guy, I think, because I'd been so anti-Strat for so long. I sort of suddenly was like, oh, I really like all these. Uh, I like the sound of a Strat. I like how snappy it is. I kind of like that Simon Neal from Biffy Clyro has such a, like, really, really aggressive sharp tone and like i was like well i blooming love Jimi hendrix i blooming love pink floyd why why shouldn't i be checking out a why shouldn't i be playing a strap because the weird thing is i realized that all the other bands that i know that, that i'm friends with who are also influenced by people like you know Jimi hendrix pink floyd radiohead bands like that I was like oh none of them play straps they all play tellies whenever i ask them about it they're like yeah i hate the sound of a strat i always thought that's weird isn't it a strats went from being so rock and roll when Jimi hendrix was playing them to now very much being the it's it's kind of the the dad guitar isn't it it's the prs it's not a prs i'm not you know maybe that's the john mary uh sort of thing but yeah whatever and anyway, since then, since then, I've discovered, because I've also got a Baja <coughs> Telecaster, which, um, of course, I, I don't need to go on, a, on about. Obviously, when I got the Baja Telecaster podcast listeners, you'll be aware that I was not aware it had four, a four. Wait, I re really wish it didn't. I really like the sort of three options. The fourth option doesn't sound great anyway so you know you're either on the neck or the bridge am i right on a on a telecaster anyway you're either on the neck or you're on the bridge you don't need anything else no need for series and parallel or anything like that i just stay on the bridge anyway on the telly i think i think it sounds absolutely fantastic and i have to say having an american original stratocaster which is upwards of 1300 british pounds and a baja telecaster i don't know what they go for now Hey, do you remember when we started doing this podcast and they were like 450? Well, now, I don't know, are they 850, 700? I don't know, something something like that. i tell you what, since leaving a guitar shop, my knowledge of, uh, um, of uh, pricing on guitars is, uh, is, is, really, uh, is really not very good. Anyway, I'm going to continue. I'm going to try and continue to go around sort of the guitars in this... Um, in this room, but I'm going to have to do that week by week. So in that last section, I was uh, the, the whole idea of that last section was that I talk about guitars that um, 
that I want to buy. But I think I spent the the entire time actually talking um, about the strat. So I, so I guess next week I'll, I'll have to talk about that because there are other things that I want to talk about on this uh, um, on this the first episode of Bar Chord. So anyway. Um, I've been recent. I have switched over onto the Helix recently. I've I I have only at home. I haven't used any. I haven't gigs with the Helix yet. I am going to soon. Um, so at the moment, I'm still for live use using a Boss MS3, which I still think is the best option out there if you um, if you want to use real pedals, but. Oh, it's just so much more convenient because you get the you get the convenience of a sort of multi-effects unit because it has built-in effects, but then you just get to use a few of your favourites. So I really like the MS3 for that because I'm really into like the Petty the Petty John Petty Drive 2. It's very very good. I get to use that. I use a like a top quality uh, compressor and an Origin Effects um, compressor. I get to use the page on drive. I get to use the uh, the Strymon. Oh, I always forget it. Is it the dig? Strymon dig? Uh, that doesn't feel right. Uh, I can't remember. But the Strymon uh, flanger, the tape, tape, uh, you know, warbling thing. I really like that. So I, I get to have those pedals. Oh, and a 1984 Boss OC2. I mean, that is a really good set of pedals, isn't it? And then I can, the compressor obviously doesn't have to be part of that chain. It can run before, but those other three pedals I can run into the Boss MS3, have them on the separate lines. But then when I want other effects, like I use a lot of vibrato, I can use the inbuilt vibrato. I use ring mod sometimes. I can use the inbuilt ring mod. Um, occasionally at the at the end of a song, I want a big um, I want a big swirling delay, a big unlatched, uh, well, sorry, a big, a big delay reverb thing. And I can assign that to an unlatched button and just like hit that occasionally. There's no point me having a delay and a reverb for just every, every now and again when I hit a big thing. So you can use the MS3 for that. And I think it is wonderfully, wonderfully versatile for that. But the thing that I've been getting into recently, um, the thing about the Helix, which has made me switch, is, well, amp, amp models, amp models. Here's the thing. I, I don't want to use the Helix as an amp replacement. And I think a lot of people still want to use amplifiers, but I'm not sure. See, I can never tell when it's me being an idiot or when it's an actual trend in, in the industry. But here's my thing. If I didn't own a Helix and didn't know anything about it, I would be like, well, I'm not going to buy a Helix because I, I have a nice amp. I always want to use my amp. But that's the thing. And I kind of feel like they're marketed because so much of the marketing is orientated towards metal players. They're really like over the top, sort of like Helix. It's the only it's the solution for everything. I mean, I don't want I want to do that. I still want to bring an amp. I still want to bring an amp. So what I'm doing is using the preamp section on the Helix, running into the effects return on my on my amp head. And so I'm still using the power amp from my amp and I'm still using my cab. So it's still very much you know, a lot of us will play smaller shows, you know. I I'm you know, I I love a love a DIY um, punk rock show and the thing about those is <laughs> you know it's um it's uh you're not you're not gonna have access to the to the great pa and this means i've always got my amp but i can use the preamps and the thing is that's that's blooming great because it means i can 
I, I think there's still some question over how good like a cab model sounds, you know, a cab simulator actually sounds. Whereas I've still got a real cab. I'm just changing the digital preamp from my amp head to a digital preamp on the Helix. And, and the choice is wonderful. And the best part is, and this is because I'm going to talk about the Helix each week and something cool that I'm doing on it. The best part is you've got lots of things for, for bass. You've got all the, um, the Ampeg, you know, SVT style presets, um, which are really great. You've got the old acoustic 360s. Um, and for guitar, you've got, oh my goodness, like there's something from everything. So what I really like is if I was, so this is what I do with the, with the guitar amp. I'm going into the effects return on a Boss Katana and I am on the Helix creating two lines because I like a little bit of, a little bit of gain um you know sort of an old like dig in and you get the gain but what i can do is run two parallel channels that then link up at the end and go out through the katana one of them using the preamp from a uh, an ac15 um and then one of them using the preamp from a fender twin and this means i can have all this this gorgeous sparkly clean from the Fender, but with this this sort of boxier sounding, less headroom sort of grit grit from the AC15 when I really dig in, um, and I I'm just like wow, this is fantastic. It certainly takes some getting some you know a, there's a learning curve, but my goodness, how fun is that? And what would be your choice on your amp? Sort of maybe maybe you know messing around with what your your three eqs your gain in your output and sure you know i love something to be simple as well but it is lovely to be able to customize your sound this much to be able to really deep dive and find something that you are super duper happy with and i think that's really that's really cool but yeah that's that's kind of my thing is parallel amps parallel preamps on the helix that's what i've been getting really into this week well, that is it for this week's episode of Bar, Co of Bar Chords, the first ever episode of Bar Chords. I do hope you've enjoyed it. Do let me know. Um, you, you can do that on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash guitar nerds forum or if you're on the patreon let us know there you can of course follow us on Twitter and Instagram at, at guitar nerds and if you fancy checking out um, that Les Paul video that we shot on uh, on YouTube, then it's youtube.com forward slash guitar nerds or something, something like that. You can type guitar nerds into YouTube in any case and it'll it'll work. But uh, but yes, uh, I'll be back next week for another slice of solo guitar nerdery. Farewell. <laughs>